If you and I are struggling to be active on social media, listen on, this episode is for you. You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hi everyone, Andrew Apanov here, and this is Music Growth Talks episode number 94. My guest today is a musician and the music industry expert with a fascinating story and over two decades of experience building businesses in music. His name is Damien Keys and he is the founder of DK Music Management. It's possible, I admit, that you had not heard of Damien before because he had never been active on social media before exactly a year ago. As he mentions on this podcast of ours, Damien treats social media just as any other business. And so in August 2016, he started a new business project, an experiment to live and breathe social media daily. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Damien started at zero and now has a ton of amazing content and engagement on his profiles. Uh, and uh, he's far from uh, achieving everything he he's planned to achieve as you learn from this show. And uh, on this show, he shares everything he's learned so far. Uh, and Damien has got plenty of tips for music artists specifically. So you will learn quite a lot about social media marketing, uh, either you are fairly active online already or especially if you are just getting started or you don't know how exactly to start with uh, this whole confusing social media game. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast uh, and uh, before we get there, as a side note, just a reminder that uh, you can support this podcast and uh, everything else I share for musicians and music industry professionals on my Patreon page. So just look me up, Andrea Panoff at patreon.com. I hope you are familiar with the platform by now. I'll go to patreon.com forward slash Andrew Epanoff and consider becoming a patron in just a dollar per month, uh, you'll uh, be offered quite a few cool perks after there. Uh, and as usual, find the show notes for these episodes at datamusic.com or musicgrowthtalks.com. Uh, there will be a link to the uh, blog post uh, with all the links and more information about this episode. And here we go in interview with Damien Keys. Damien, it's uh, great to uh, welcome you to the Music Growth Talks podcast. Let me know how you're doing. Yeah, very really good. Thank you for having me. So uh, it's been really exciting to go through your social media profiles and check out how many items of unique content you've released in the past, I don't know, two weeks. So it's just insane. I'm. It's You seem to be incredibly productive and I want to to you about that and um, your experiments with social media. But before we get there, do you mind um, sharing a little bit on yourself to, with our listeners? Absolutely, yeah. So my background is I'm a, a musician, first and foremost. I come from a city in Wales called Swansea. So I grew up in Swansea. I did my national exams, my GCSEs. I failed all of them. And then my I had to go home, tell my mum. She went slightly crazy and then i had to go she made me reset the entire year 
while all my friends went off to college and I, I failed them all a second time. So at which point I was thinking, I need a second plan. Uh, I decided I was going to be a rock star. That was my new plan. So I, I basically, I was a bass player. I got in a band. Band started doing quite well. Then we got signed and then we got dropped off the label. So it was back in the time where the music industry was very, very different back then. And you needed a label to kind of push out your, your music. And so at that point, I was 19 years old, didn't have much in the way of, well, I had no qualifications and not much in the way of job prospects. So I went to music college in Guildford, which is where halfway through the first year, they offered me a job as a bass teacher. And I, I stayed there for a couple of years. That was a college called the ACM in Guildford, Academy of Contemporary Music. And then after about four or five years, I left there to set up another music university called BIM, the Brighton Institute of Modern Music, which is mm -hmm. now the, the British Institute of Modern Music which we, we built up from 150 students. It's now got over 5,000 students. I left a few years back and set up a couple of other music industry businesses, and I invest in music industry businesses. And my new, my new thing is, is social media. I've kind of I've fallen in love with social media. Uh, so, I mean, that's quite a story so far. And uh, so I, I saw a blog post on, on the DK Music Management uh, website yes. about your experiment so if i got it correctly you were not that much into social media during all those uh, years and and building businesses and everything related to the education and so on and uh, last year you went full force into into social media and experimenting with uh, different platforms uh, so can you tell tell us a little bit about that journey yeah absolutely so it, it's a really weird thing so i'm a very old school guy We built the colleges around print adverts in Guitarist Magazine, Total Guitar, Rhythm Magazines. There was no social media. There was no YouTube. And so that was the way we kind of built up was word of mouth and advertising, even radio and things like that. And then I've been building businesses now for 20 years, and that's my sort of passion. I'm a kind of musician who builds businesses, so I kind of feel like I'm halfway in between the two. I never really got social media. It was never really my thing until a year ago. I mean, it just hit me like a train. I was, I'd always sort of seen social media as a department in a business because that's what it used to be. It used to be marketing, advertising, sales, social media. Right. And all of a sudden I realized that social media has now become so big and so important that it wasn't a thing anymore. It was the thing that is how you build a brand. But the problem was at that point, this was less than a, less than a year ago, I had no face at Facebook. I was one of those cool kids that didn't have a Facebook. I had a YouTube, which, which I just used because I'd signed up to Google at some point and had a YouTube. There was sort of one sort of family video on it. I had a Twitter, which, which I quite liked, but I didn't really do much. I had Instagram, which I never used and didn't understand. And I had Snapchat, and that was the only thing I did, I did use. And that was because I was in a band, and I used to take pictures of the other band members draw pictures all over their faces and then send the <laughs> pictures to them, to those guys. And that was my only sort of social media thing. So I had to learn very fast. And I've, I've learned a lot in the last sort of nine months since I've been doing this. And as social media grows and gets bigger and changes, because it only takes one social media platform to make one new feature and it can change the entire game instantly or a new social media platform to come out, which I love. So my last nine months has been an experiment on just living and breathing social media because I see social media now as just business. I don't see it as social media as a thing. I just see it as business. Right. Not exhausted yet? Not yet. I'm loving it. I've just, I feel, you know, I had a Skype meeting earlier on with a musician and I said, what's your, you know, what's your plan? What are you, what's your, what are you trying to achieve? And he said, well, 
here's my one year and here's my five year plan. I said, I don't want to hear your one year. I don't want to hear your five year. I want to hear your legacy. I want to hear what it is that you want to be remembered for. And I think that is something that is, is a very important way that social media can, you know, you can use it for because I can now engage with people. I can build relationships with people. I can learn. I can, I can tell people about what I do. I can advertise. I can do everything all under one roof. It just happens that there's lots of different platforms, which I've chosen to be on, but you can do that all in one place. And it's, I feel like I've got another two or three years before I've really mastered it. But one thing I have definitely learned is everyone thinks that they're a social media expert. And the reality is, is not, there's not many people out there that are doing social media very well, including social media companies, weirdly enough. There's a lot of social media companies that I look at and I just think, I don't know where you've learned this stuff from, but it, it's not making sense in a coherent way. And there's too many people like myself a year ago who are hiring kids and just saying, do social media stuff. And there's no strategy. There's no sort of thinking behind what we're trying to achieve. And, and I think that's the exciting period that we're in is businesses have just realized how important social media is. And they've also realized that it's not something that you can just throw money at without actually, you know, getting involved in the structure of branding, marketing and business. Yeah, totally, totally on that. And this whole thing is very inspiring to many listeners of ours, I'm pretty sure, because, uh, and I know this from my experience, we start working with artists and uh, sometimes I find myself just explaining the how to get into the habit of using social media, for example, because many musicians and many artists are not into it and uh, they feel frustrated with even just starting and getting into the habit of posting frequently and so on. So yeah. what you've been doing is exactly that. And you, you're you showing how uh, how much you can achieve um, within just like nine months. And um, so you still remember how it was, uh, you know, a year ago when you just started fresh. So any recommendations on starting this whole process to those who are trying to be more active on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in a very lucky place where I I, I have a business or I have a couple of businesses. So I was able to take more time and I have got some more budget to be able to learn from doing, which a lot of people haven't got. But one thing I would definitely say is the reason why it becomes very daunting for musicians and creatives is because they've got so much on their plate anyway you know, with the way the music industry is nowadays compared to where it was even five years ago, let alone 10 or 20 years ago, there's so many things that musicians need to be doing and thinking about and and creating that all of a sudden, this is a very daunting extra add-on. And so what I would say is musicians tend to, because of their very nature of being creatives, they want to explore all of the social media platforms of which there are hundreds. Obviously, there's the big three or four, but then there's others and I think it's really important to not do that. I think it's really important to pick a smaller amount of platforms and really master them, whether that's YouTube and Twitter or whether that's you know Instagram and YouTube or even if, if you're – the other thing is playing to your skill set. Some people won't want to be on video, so they should do a podcast because podcast is, is such a fast-growing platform. Or they might say, I'm not really good at talking. So therefore, they might be into photography and therefore it's Instagram. They might be more into Snapchat stories. There's so many different ways of doing it. It's just not trying to do all of them at once because then it's too daunting. Okay, okay. I can't agree more. And uh, uh, this is still important. It's still important to give each platform some time. On the other hand, because I've seen how some brands uh, and artists in particular have been quitting 
after one or two months because it may just not be enough to to learn how to build an audience on a platform but it's crucial to be active uh, and it's physically impossible to communicate with people to have real interactions with other human beings with followers on too many platforms at once even for a big company not to mention uh, an artist so that's that's a great advice so what about you i mean it's clearly uh, a bit a different space it's more like we are in in a similar space right now because you are mm creating a lot of um, educational material for musicians but so it may be different for artists who are looking for fans but just i'm curious about your experience what have worked particularly well so far and uh, if you are going to make some changes in the nearest future yeah i'm constantly i'm like every single day i'm monitoring it and i'm having meetings with guys in the team and just saying i want to try stuff and the irony is is it's really kind of you to say about you know how much content's going out there and but in my head I, I'm still thinking it's just not enough. I still feel like I haven't done podcasts yet. I haven't done v- enough blogs, and I'm trying to find ways of, of fitting it in whilst you know m- whilst doing the day job as as it is. And I think one of the things that definitely helped was about three months ago I was really struggling. I was doing about 120 gigs a year in the band, which was all over the country, plus the businesses, plus the social media. And I couldn't fit anything in. And and one thing I thought was, I need to be able to make one piece of content that I can then break down into lots of smaller pieces of content, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. rather than saying every single time I want to post something on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, I've got to create something, it became very, very difficult. So what I did is I thought about this idea of, of creating a foundation with a couple of sort of weekly pillars, as it were. And the way that works is I would do a show, for example, which is half an hour long. And then from that show, it gets cut down into questions, for example, into four questions. And then from those four questions, I also get some get a writer then to take all the stuff that I've actually said and put that into a blog. And then one of the guys in the team actually breaks that down into tweets and into sort of memes and into even small, tiny mini videos. And so all I've done is I've walked into a room and one of the girls has said, right, we've got four questions for you. I've said, great, I've answered the four questions. So all I've had to do is spend half an hour thinking of that. And then I'm actually then myself and some other people are breaking that down into content for different platforms so that I'm not having to recreate content for lots and lots of different platforms if that makes sense and that's really really helped my time yeah it's that's smart and i want you to highlight the your business skills uh that that i can see uh coming handy here because some of our listeners may think oh like damon has got a team and they can do it for you uh from my perspective it's not just about you having the team but you having the knowledge and uh understanding of how to build a team around you and organize the whole process and create the workflows because i'm doing pretty much the same and uh it does require some time to set everything up properly but it can be work really well and it can be affordable as well because right now there are a virtual assistance and uh, you can essentially build a team around yourself if you know how to organize it from my perspective so Absolutely, uh, yeah and, and well, yeah. on that i would say you know i've i've got a team who, who i'm in a lucky position where i have got a team but when we started the whole thing it was me and i had a, a friend of mine who had a video camera and i just said we're going to do vlogs that was the first thing it was just going to start with vlogs and now obviously it's grown into a team but i still look back and still think i could probably do it it would be different but i still think i could make the same amount of content it would be different sorts of content, but I still think I could do the same thing 
on my own, possibly with a with one other person. So if you're in a band, for example, then you know three or four of you, you could definitely break that up. Yeah. So uh, I I was going to ask since we brought up the topic, if you have any recommendations on uh, delegating and uh, and organizing uh, these kind of workflows in a team, because I still see bands where it's just uh, you know the singer or drama just doing all the social media stuff and uh, the rest of, of the band is not involved in it which doesn't make a lot of sense in my opinion so any recommendations in in that regard yeah i think what's very interesting in a band is many many bands that i look at so i'm looking at bands every day you know 20 30 but i, I get between 60 and 100 messages a day from bands for different you know questions but the main thing i notice is i don't think bands value what their story is and what their day-to-day journey is and how exciting that is to the outside world so i think bands will look at a performance as something that they should put out on social media. I think they'd see it as an interview that can go out on social media. But I think the actual value, especially now where the music industry is at, which I've got a lot of thoughts about, but I think the value is actually in content. So I think it's about the brand of the band. And so the struggles, the feelings, the excitement, the downs, the ups, the arguments, I think, you know, some people wouldn't want to have that on camera, but I think that is a story which is very, very exciting. But because people don't value that and they say, well, we'll just we'll make a new video when we get together once a week. And you think, well, that's not enough. You can't take over the world. You, you're not going to beat Muse if you are putting out you know, one video every single week. That's 50 videos a year. It's just not going to be enough unless you've just created a song, which is, you know, Stairway to Heaven and then fair enough. But, you know, we live in a time now where the, the music, this is harsh, this is a harsh lesson, but the music is less important now than it has been for ever as musicians. It's still, obviously, it's still the biggest part of it, but there's so much more pieces to the puzzle which you're in control of. And whereas the music industry used to be very simple as a pie, it used to be the band would get formed, they'd make music, then they'd build a bit of a following in their local community, then they would need a record company to come on board. They'd have to have that because in order to actually make a record – studios you know in the 80s 90s it would cost 1500 pounds a day plus an engineer plus a producer and you might be there for a month and no bands have got 30 grand to put into a a demo let alone 100 and then from there they've got to make the lps or the cds and they've got to actually ship those and distribute them out to every shop in the country so all of a sudden you're looking at hundreds of thousands of pounds to actually get music out now all of a sudden music's free we just make it on our computer we press a button and it's downloadable instantly and all those costs have gone. And so therefore, there's a whole new bunch of problems with obviously the amount of people who are doing it. But what's really great is you're completely in control of the whole pie. And so I see social media now as almost like another instrument. So one thing you said earlier on, which I find very interesting is people will try something once, and then either get bored of it, or they might try it for a couple of weeks and then think, oh, it's not really working. Imagine if you thought about that as a guitar player. Imagine if you just picked up a guitar, you hit it around with a pick and just thought, this isn't really sounding like Angus Young. And then you put it down and gave up. Exactly. You'd laugh. You'd think, well, that's stupid. Your guitar's going to take years and years and years to master. Well, social media is just another instrument. It's just another language. It's just another business skill. And so that's why I think about this legacy thing of of how long you're going to be doing this. And as musicians, if you're 20 years old, you've got another 50 years before you're going to retire. So if you put a week into it, then for the next 50 years, that's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of your career. Whereas if you think of it as I'm going to work on it for the next 50 years, 
then I think that's when you start to really see how much can be done, you know, and how much content you can bring to the table over a, a period of time. I think bands need to think about their value and what value they're bringing to their audience. Absolutely. So, yeah, I was just thinking about uh, the different kinds of uh, content bands maybe putting out and usually put out. And um, sometimes uh, content serves different purposes, such as uh, just to engage the fans or to uh, auto sell at some stage. It comes important, yeah. not always at the beginning of the career, but usually not at the beginning of the career. But do you have any recommendations on the type of content that may specifically help in acquiring new fans? So how to reach new people through the different kinds of content you may be creating? Yeah, I think I think that's a, a really good question is knowing what you want to get out of something. So if you're trying to sell something or if you're trying to build your fan base, they're two separate things. And selling music now is very difficult because music's free. So trying to sell something which is free is hard. It's not impossible because the way music has always been is attached to something. So you'd buy an LP or a vinyl with the music was attached to it. You're buying the LP. If you bought a CD, you're buying the CD, the music is attached to it. Nowadays, the music's not attached to anything. So selling music is very, very difficult, but it can be done because you can still make physical distribution. But in answer to your question, which is knowing exactly what you want to do with your social media, which is let's build the audience rather than try and sell it, and then we'll sell it later, rather than try and do both at the same time. Right. In which case, if you're going to build the audience, it's all about bringing value. And so if you are, for example, a metal band, then every time you get together and you play a riff, a new riff, and someone goes, oh, that's such a fat riff, that should be something that's documented. And, we, and then you, you have a little camera set up and you just say, oh, dudes, we're really excited about this, this cool riff. And then you play the riff and people are like, wow, that's a really fat riff. And it's a journey and a story that you're actually giving value to your fans. And what bands tend to do is they tend to go away, they make an album, only because this is tradition, they go away, they make an album, and then they pop up out of nowhere and they just say, we've got a new album. And everyone says, oh, I don't care because I haven't been a part of this journey. Exactly. You have. And so rather than actually marketing it from the beginning and telling everyone all about it, there's just this, you start marketing it at the end. We finished it. Who wants to buy it? which in any, other, in any other business might be slightly different. But with the music industry, people need to actually tie into it. So I think knowing what you want to do with your, uh, you know, with your social media is important. And then what I would do is I would look into becoming experts into boosts and Facebook adverts because it doesn't cost a lot of money at all, but it's the best way of getting to a niche market. So if you're into, I don't know, if you're into jazz music, then that is a niche market. So rather than just trying to show everybody with Facebook ads, you can target the exact age, the exact demographic that you're after. So if you're looking for 35 to 40-year-old men who like Snarky Puppy, for example, in the UK, then you can be that specific with it. And what the, where people fall down with their Facebook ads is they try and advertise to the world like a TV and then it doesn't work. So if they put £10 in, they'll get a 1,000 people who'll see their product. Now, if you advertise that to 10 million people, the chances are you're advertising it to just randomers. Whereas if you advertise it to a very, very specific market, all of whom are into the same music and the same demographic, then you're much more likely to get them to buy into it. 
So when you're doing your Facebook ads, it's about drilling down into the exact demographic so that if you know that your fan base is predominantly 15 to 17 years old, then don't advertise to 18-year-olds or 19-year-olds. And if they're predominantly male, then don't say, well, we should get some girls involved and advertise to male and female because you're just splitting your budget and you're actually going after or you're spending a lot more money to get to the audience that doesn't really want to hear your music, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And these are great tips. And I like how you mentioned the importance of uh, starting to market and, and promote a record, for example, at the beginning of the recording process and getting people involved in this journey. This is this is something that we try to, to explain quite frequently with uh, comparing the this music marketing to uh, so-called growth hacking, the tech space where startups these days have to build uh, marketing into the products themselves. So it's not like you just release an application and then promote it. It's not going to work that way really well. With musicians, it's quite similar. And it's difficult to tell musicians to adjust the actual product, the music, for marketing purposes. But it's not necessarily required as long as the music is good. And just what you explained is a really good way to put it. So just sharing the experience and the excitement. And yeah, it needs to be documented. So it's quite difficult to uh, to show how excited you you were recording this song 10 months after it was recorded, right? So Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So people, people just yeah. want a journey at all times. That's what social media is. If you look at, you know, TV is just an old-fashioned thing nowadays. My my kid doesn't watch TV. He's, he's on his iPad. So the idea of you have to wait for your TV program to come up, I have to wait till Thursday to watch my favorite TV program. In his head, he's like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'll just watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it. And so social media has, has sort of defined a new, a new generation. And those people, A, they want things instantly, but they want a journey. So if you look at what is on TV with Love Island or, you know, or X on the Beach, or there's, there's loads of these kind of reality TV things. And what it is, it's just emotion and it's a journey. So people just want, and it's always storytelling, whether, whether you're watching a series or whether you're watching a film, it's always about that story, which is, which is setting the scene, the ups and downs, the tribulations, and a big payoff at the end, which is what every band can do. We're in this band, we're really excited, or we're trying to record the album, or we're having a complete nightmare, and this might not happen. Oh, it did happen, it's going to be fantastic, and here it is, and everyone goes, hooray. And, you know, and if you look at X Factor, which is you know, huge all over the world, I mean, that's TV to me. That's not the music industry. However, they sell CDs because they bring people on a journey, emotional roller coaster of a journey, right, right to the end where they then say, now everyone go and buy the CD and a bunch of grannies go and buy the CD. And then you never hear from the artist ever again on the whole. But they've still done their job of the storytelling from start to finish. And so bands could definitely do that now via social media by telling a story of the album. Even when you say, guess what, everybody? We're going to re release an album. The thing is, we haven't even started writing it yet, but we're going to take you on that journey. Everyone will instantly, all their fan base will say, oh, that's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something I just thought about and uh, maybe the last um, kind of uh, point to, to that particular conversation is just something that I remembered hearing from artists quite regularly. Something about the quality, because uh, for some musicians, if you put out a music video, it can be an acoustic live performance but it still needs to be done on a professional camera it should look good and uh, it requires time it requires resources same for facebook live uh, many musicians are not doing it so frequently at all because they think that they need uh, 
a full-fledged setup to do a stream, which, so in practice, many social media platforms right now, they work better with raw content, such as Instagram stories and Snapchat. You don't need, it will look weird if you only come with uh, high-quality professional content on, on, on some of these platforms. So do you have a recommendation or an opinion on, on that point? So how to combine a lot of raw material with some higher quality stuff? Yeah, and it's a really, really big one, that, because this idea of quality or quantity, and I get that asked quite a lot with musicians. They say, should we be going for higher quality and less or quantity more with a lower standard? And it's a really difficult one because the answer is, unfortunately, you have to do both because people expect a lot of content and people expect a certain type of content. But what I would say is if you took someone like Dave Grohl, for example, who's obviously such a massive legend and there's not many people in the world who don't like what he stands for, Dave Grohl could just grab my phone, press record and just say, hi, it's Dave Grohl and start talking and we'd all instantly be transfixed. Number one, he's got a story. We know who he is. We're interested. He could do 10 videos a day and we wouldn't get fed up with him. And we wouldn't care about the quality of the video. We wouldn't really care about the quality of the audio. And that's because it's definitely a mix and match. We've already seen the quality stuff. So seeing the nitty gritty and the dirty stuff is really exciting. So I think if you've got a really, really great band video, which looks fantastic, then it's it's really good then to have some other footage, which is just, this is us and we're, we're backstage and we're on a phone and it's a bit wobbly and a bit shaky, but we're really excited because we're going to go on stage. Then you're basically showing the real, you're they're showing what is live. And that's what's exciting. People love live. They love Facebook live. They love Instagram live because it's real and anything can go wrong. And it isn't this kind of production line. And so I think it's trying to get a mixture between both. It's being able to say, look, here's a quality video. But on the other hand, here's us just chatting on an iPhone and here's a vlog. And it's kind of having a bit of a mix, really. But when it comes to quality versus quantity, you really do need to be thinking about both. It needs to be of a decent quality, but you just need to be doing a lot of quantity. And it's really interesting because one of the questions I get is, is this going to annoy my audience if I keep just posting stuff all of the time. And I think uh, that's not the case. What is the case is you'll annoy your audience if the content is not very good. But if your content is good, you could put out 10, 20 videos a day, like, for example, Lad Bible, who put out stuff on Facebook 20 odd times a day. No one unsubscribes from Lad Bible because they don't want to miss something funny. They just dive in and out as they see fit. So, and they've got 15 to 20 million people who follow their, their Facebook. So, I think when it comes to quality versus quantity, unfortunately, it is a bit of both. But the way to do it is to try and have some really good quality production stuff and especially photos as well. That helps as well. And then on top of that, the real nitty gritty stuff. Excellent. Yeah, I I agree completely. So I didn't mean not to release high quality content. And then Mm. I just remembered about the artists who, on the contrary, only put out low quality content, which isn't good at all as well. So what you just mentioned, finding a balance here is a great advice excellent so uh and i mean it, it, we just covered just such a small portion of uh, the topics that you've been covering on your social media profiles and then uh, and on your channel and so on so where can our listeners find out more about you and you haven't really talked a lot about your businesses for musicians is there anything you want to kind of pitch to anyone maybe based in the uk so a few URLs, which all the links are in the show notes, obviously. But yeah, so 
a little call to action from you if possible. Absolutely. That'd be amazing. Thank you so much. So basically, all the stuff I'm doing at the moment with the social media is for me to learn about social media for you know building businesses. And because I understand musicians, it's the easiest way of to have conversations with musicians rather than than business people. So all the social media, it comes straight through to me. So while I've got a team to help me with organizing bits and edit it, all the social media comes through to me for for chats and stuff. That's Facebook, YouTube, everything's just my name, Damien Keys. Just odd spelling, but like I said, it's in the program notes. And then the company is a company called DK Management. That's one of the companies I have, which basically we help musicians find work via sort of commercial bands and also teaching. So it's kind of, it's the lower level stuff when musicians have left college and thinking, I don't want to get a job. How can I make money through playing guitar, bass or drums or singing or keyboards? And then we help by either putting bands together or helping with teaching businesses. Neat. That's very cool. So yeah, I'm look- linking to that uh, website as well, just as all your key social media profiles are the ones you're most active on, but uh, I think it will be quite easy to find the rest. And uh, I'm looking forward to to checking out the stuff that you're putting out. So I'm, Thank I'm you very much. following subscribed everywhere. So And I encourage our listeners to do the same. Thank you so much for all the uh, insights and great stuff you shared, Damien. And um, oh, thank you so much for having yeah, me. It's great. been really fun. Awesome. So thanks. So this is it. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Damien. In my opinion, it was extremely inspiring, not just insightful, but inspiring. I mean, this guy has so much energy and I personally feel inspired to be more active on social media after after even listening to our conversation a few times. So uh, I do hope that you learned a few things uh, uh, and you will most importantly implement what you've learned here. So just go out of there, feel confident with experimenting on social media. Uh, and as you've heard, it's very normal to just focus on uh, uh, one, uh, two, just a few social media platforms at once. Don't try to attack at all. And as usual, if you have any questions, please ask them. Uh, uh, Twitter is a great place uh, for that because you can tag uh, Damien. So uh, uh, it's not just me but also him directly answering you so consider asking us questions both Damien and me uh, on Twitter SoundCloud's comments is a great place for that Apple podcast of course every rating and review you leave there uh, uh, is uh, uh, is ex- very important for um, the podcast being discovered by other artists it's not the best place to ask questions but if you uh, have a few nice was to share, uh, please uh, consider leaving a review there. And uh, if you're a patron, just uh, leave comments or ask questions in the community area on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Andrew Once again, thank you all for listening and see you next time. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowth.com talks.com